She attained superwoman eyes and superwoman knowledge for exactly five seconds. Almost has the foresight to pull the spike out of her ankle before crossing the tipping point and falling onto her photogenically flawless face, though she does avoid the disgusting floor by cracking her most perfect skull on the porcelain with an act of great acrobatic skill, spinning and landing on her back. She lifts her head and pukes onto her brand new AX tank top. She feels really great. Before she passes out, she thinks, I want to go home. Reba Cook. That was her name before all this. And her brother, Billy Cook, watched the car coming up at them like destiny itself. One month to the day after the funeral, Frank Decker is finally showing his grim face, finally making good on his promise to visit the old farm and conduct a proper appraisal. A pall of ignorance and confusion has hung over the sibling orphans. Mom's probate has finally ended, and Dad's just begun. Expectations have shrunk. Taxes are due. Winter's round the corner. The future has withered into a little black nut. But Frank has arrived, and Frank will know what to do. Crouching under the cold, wet spittle of the late rain, Frank the banker hurries across the lawn, slips on a wasp-eaten apple, kicks it away, and mutters, Okay, show me. I don't have all day. Billy nods, and the three make their way toward the orchard. Eighteen of the original apple trees, toughened by cruel upstate winters, still stand. Old and diseased, they insist on bearing fruit. Their wood is hunched and gnarled, lopsided where the rotten limbs have dropped off. But their buds still set, eager for another year of honeybees and sunshine, another season of crisp produce, whether or not anyone's around to gather it. The brother, the sister, and the banker tramp through the defeated acreage, as if immersion among the old trees will help them make sense of it all. Reba, unlike red-haired Billy, is as tall as her dead dad and as blonde as her dead mom. What a year. First mom, her delicate nodes devoured by malignancy, took sick and died. Daddy chucked a handful of dirt onto the coffin, waited exactly six months, and then started coughing blood into a wrinkled handkerchief. It only took dad eight months to follow mom into the ground. Reba, Billy, and Frank survey the property while the rain thrums into the surrounding brush and grass. The orchard is soft and dead like a corpse, the soil congested with glacial till and ancient arrowheads. Staghorn sumac has invaded the chinks in the lichen-covered stone walls. Red cedar and swamp maple saplings have sprung up where a hundred years ago the adjacent fields lay flat and perfect. A corroded Ford LTD is parked permanently by the empty corn crib. Amid the rain hiss, something snorts and a spooked three-point buck crashes through the scrub, showing them his tail. This time of year the big boys make themselves scarce, but the scent of the rotting apples, even the sweet twigs, are too tempting for the deer to stay away. Frank picks his way through the wet weeds, aimless. Reba whispers to Billy. Walks like he's got something shoved up his crack like an old man. He's not even forty, and why doesn't he smile ever? Looks like an old troll. Billy shushes her as Frank turns his black eyes their way. Rain falls straight down now. Birds either gone south or silent. 
No sound of anything except the rain. Frank squints into the wetness. Reba sneaks another glance at Billy, who furrows his brow in warning. Finally, Frank wipes his face with a pocket handkerchief and shouts, Okay, I seen it, and I'm getting cold. He heads back toward the house, carefully negotiating the clinging whips of Wild Rose. The men push into the kitchen, and Reba follows, chagrined to find a bean tin of bacon grease sitting on the countertop, a spray of damp coffee grounds staining the sink. The air smells of unwashed ashtrays and stale beer. A curling strip of wallpaper marks the spot where Billy plans to install paneling. A fluorescent fixture flickers overhead. The place has all the tidiness of a cat box. Frank draws a glass of water from the tap, studies it before bringing it to his mouth. The wet clings to his lip like the slobber of a senile idiot. He runs a palm over the countertop. Reba wants to say, Feeling for toast crumbs, Frank? Appraising the woodwork? Frank says, I have an opening. His flat eyes turn to Reba, not Billy, for a response. Billy says, But what about the apples? Apples. Frank spits out the word. What are you bullshitting about, apples? Billy, you're not going to tell me you got apples off those old trees. Billy checks his shoes. We go to the city once a week and sell them in the farmer's market. Frank sips, scowls, empties the glass into the sink and places it on top of the spilled grounds. Billy, you got an empty thousand-gallon tank in the basement, and the price of heating oil just went up. Not to mention you got a property tax bill due since June. You got a mortgage and a second mortgage, which I told your daddy was ill-advised. There's insurance for the van. You're not going to cover that with no apples. And don't plan on living on the life insurance for too long, either. Ten thousand doesn't go that far, and you've already spent half of it. Frank addresses Reba for the first time since he's come up the drive. Reba, how old are you now? I'm twenty, almost twenty-one, she thinks. You know exactly how old I am. Ever since your mom passed, I haven't been able to find anyone as dependable. You need a job. Reba tries to smile, and she feels herself grimace. I don't have the qualifications for banking, Mr. Decker. Billy blurts, She works with me on Saturdays. That's when we go down to the market. I need her there. Frank says, Okay, no Saturdays. I'll give you that. That make you happy? It's not a problem. Reba, be there at 8 on Monday. Wear something nice. Frank moves toward the door, and Reba calls to him, Mr. Decker? What about the farm? What do you think it's worth, approximately? Frank sucks a tooth, checks his watch. Approximately? This place? Well, a rough estimate would be approximately zero. People are trying to escape the damn county, not move in. Take my advice. Don't even put it on the market, or you'll regret it. Turning away, he says, I'll see you on Monday, and better make it 7.45. Frank slips out the screen door, letting it slam behind him. Billy picks a beer from the fridge and follows Frank. Deserted, Reba overhears the rumbling of the solemn voices on the porch, like the way people talked at the funerals, heads close, looking at the ground. There's not going to be any money. With my share, I could have gone anywhere. Now I'm going nowhere. In the wet orange dusk, torn ribbons of cloud garland the sun. 
Through the kitchen window, the awesome hairy witches of the orchard stand in silhouette. Beyond the apple trees, the poplars are straight and tall, festooned with ropes of fox grape. The leafy wild vines shimmer with a sure promise of slow death. If not this year, then next. Reba digs out an icy brick from the freezer and runs hot water over the pink and yellow slab of frozen flesh, letting it soften under her thumb. Above her head, the roly-eyed Felix the Cat clock swishes his stiff tail, marking time second by second. The fridge growls just as Frank's car starts up outside. So that's that. I will swab the green and dirty white linoleum tiles, thaw and fry the food, sponge Billy's pubic hairs off the toilet, iron his work shirts, and I will stand behind a counter at the bank all day just like Mom did. I'll take my cigarette breaks, a half hour for lunch, and all the peppermints I can eat. Maybe someday I'll grow a few tumors of my own. Reba scratches a matchstick on the wall, jabs it into the hissing gas. The tiny blue imps puff and she slips the chunk into the skillet's puddle of oil. The old skillet, the cabinets, the stove, they've all been here as long as I have. What if I forget how to remember what day it is? How would I know if it was today, or yesterday, or ever? Felix's tummy reads 7.45. With the cooking fork her mom held a thousand times, Reba maneuvers the seared lumps of chicken through the sizzling fat. Her heart races. I own a piece of nothing. I am part of something that is nothing. Nothing plus nothing is nothing. The door bangs and Billy is beside her. Well, that's that. He eyes the skillet. I'll puke if you fry chicken legs again. Reba offers no options. With baked beans, and I got those nice frozen artichoke hearts you like.